Live from WNUR News, I'm Daniel Gross. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, a solution to midterm burnout, reactions to the new Puss in Boots film, and the role of mascot Willie the Wildcat on campus. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. It's midterm season here at Northwestern, and many students say they're feeling burnt out. Students are asking, could this be solved by changing winter break's format? Ellie Stevens has a story. Our oddly timed winter break is a hotly debated topic at Northwestern. With only two weeks on campus after Thanksgiving and an abrupt return just two days after the new year, students and faculty have mixed reviews. Yeah, that's brutal, you know? You're like, you've got your party hat on and you're, um, you know, if if you're over the age of 21, can, of course, consuming alcohol responsibly and you get a push notification that says you have a homework assignment. That's brutal. That's Northwestern English professor Adam Syvertson. He said that the immediate return to classes two days after New Year's makes it difficult for students to relax during break. It's not really a break if you have assignments lingering over your head. It's difficult to manage. It goes from coursework, break, coursework, break. Uh, all in the span of, what is it, three weeks, four weeks? Northwestern sophomore Sarah Talbert agrees. I was kind of putting off all the work I needed to do until after Christmas, and then the day after Christmas, I was like, oh, I have to do everything. I think having that time to really rest and spend time with family if possible would be really beneficial to a lot of people and definitely for me and having time that I knew I didn't have to work would really help my mental health. Sophomore journalism major Tabby Parent has felt the effects of the lack of rest already this quarter. Honestly it has affected my academic performance now that I think about it like there was just for whatever reason felt like there was no turnaround time. Could I have been doing stuff leading up to the new year and during break? Yes, but was I going to? Probably not, because it's a break for a reason. However, Parent noted that looming coursework was not the only problem with the timing of break. Traveling logistics were a barrier as well. I was also concerned that, like, I was going to have to get out on New Year's Day from Tahoe um, and then, like, drive all the way back and then catch a flight the next day. So I was concerned I was going to miss my flight. There wasn't really much wiggle room. Scheduling and flight prices were an issue at the beginning of break, too. With a quick turnaround from the five-day Thanksgiving break and unclear communication on exam schedules, many students were confused if they had to come back. In those courses, when you have students coming from all different majors and all different colleges, uh, it's a nightmare. No one has the same schedule. Um, you're always trying to work to accommodate students. It, it certainly makes it very difficult um, for those kind of mixed major, um, mixed college courses when all the deadlines are not in sync. That there's like reading week and stuff, but then like some schools don't get a reading week, so they still have to come to class. Then you end up coming back for like one day of in-person things, and then you have like writing assignments, and you don't actually need to be on campus for your finals. I hate to say this, but I wish teachers would just like stick to the exam schedule and like utilize it for what it's meant to be utilized for, because then I would be able to plan well in advance and get flights like well in advance so that they're not like really expensive. Because of the confusion around schedules, many students had to buy tickets last minute, creating a financial strain for many. They'll get up to like 
$800. I'm like, it's absurd that I don't know if I can go home or not. And I would honestly, I'd prefer to go home. I love it here, but I'd prefer to go home if I can. Maggie Rose Barron, a Medill sophomore, said the quick Thanksgiving break, followed by immediate finals crunch time, led her to feel like she couldn't enjoy Turkey Day. I had like projects and stuff that were due the next week and had to think about studying for finals. And also, especially because we only really get like that Thursday and Friday off. Like I didn't have any classes on the Wednesday this year, but in the past I have. And it just is such a short break that it kind of like it really just is a long weekend. Students and staff have proposed. I think it would be better to start a week or two earlier in September and then just go straight to Thanksgiving. Um, and then we'd get a longer break, and it would be really nice. And we'd be like all the other quarter system schools, which makes sense to me. But from a pedagogy perspective, I I would prefer um, start maybe a little earlier in September and prior to Thanksgiving, and then um, resume at approximately the same time we do after the holiday break. I think that works better. That way, there's not this interruption in the middle of a class or a course concluding. Other universities on the quarter system, such as DePaul, have adopted this schedule beginning the fall quarter after Labor Day and ending at Thanksgiving. Still, other students say it would be more valuable to have extra time in January. Our schedule is different from a lot of semester schools that like I have friends at, like home friends that I want to see over break. So I feel like maybe I would in that for that reason I would want more time in January because that's when more people are back. And I honestly feel like the two weeks between Thanksgiving and winter break, they aren't bad. They just are kind of, they just feel kind of useless. Northwestern's registrar Jackie Kazaza says there are currently no plans to adjust the format of winter break as it would affect the summer quarter. She says that on years when Thanksgiving is earlier, fall quarter would have to start in mid-August, which would not allow for a full summer quarter. However, students have pointed to another solution that keeps the break format, but offers students flexibility. I do think that like, the kind of reading week idea like it messes things up even though i understand it's necessary like it just seems pointless to go back in person and i think zoom has changed a lot of things so we're able to still make these connections while being in the comfort of our own hometown having the option to zoom into classes after thanksgiving would make it so that students don't have to buy extra flights while giving them more time at home Ultimately, students say they understand that administration has to do what they have to do with the timing of break. However, they want their opinions to be heard because this decision has repercussions on student finances, academic performance, and mental health. I do think one step could be talking to students. Maybe there could be a committee formed and students could sit on the committee and explain their side of the story. I think the biggest thing is transparency and communication. From WNUR News, I'm Ellie Stevens. Moving on to arts and entertainment, Puss in Boots' The Last Wish was the second most successful movie in the world in January. But what makes The Cool Cat so popular with demographics of all ages? Brendan Pressman spoke with Northwestern students to find out. Puss in Boots... The Last Wish has been one of the most popular movies in the world so far in 2023, grossing over $340 million since its theatrical release on December 21, 2022. It's behind only the Avatar sequel as the highest-grossing movie in the U.S. in January, and is generating Oscar buzz for Best Animated Film after receiving a nomination last week. 
But what exactly makes the sequel and its titular feline so popular? I sat down with Northwestern students to find out. I was astonished in so many ways, not only in the animation styles, but I laughed, I cried, I had the time of my life. Helen Bradshaw, a Medill senior, is one of the students who believes that the movie is worth the hype. She said the movie brought the house down, and that... People typically underestimate animation, which they should not do, but I'm guilty of that. And it was just as robust as any movie in any genre ever. Also, it was about a cat, so that was awesome. Weinberg senior Cade Kelly agrees about the quality, particularly of the animation. Okay, wait, commentary on the animation. In the same way that everyone went crazy with Into the Spider-Verse, I feel the same way about this animation. It's something that has not been seen before. It's not just another Shrek movie. The animation has indeed drawn rave reviews, with Medill first-year Ella Barnes saying the quality of the animation, especially with regards to facial expressions, adds to the realism. You know, a lot is said through, like, the facial expressions of the animation, which is, like, very interesting. It's a very interesting use of the medium, because a lot of times it's just, like, dialogue thrown at you, and, like, the, the characters don't feel as lifelike. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot told through facial expression, which is very similar to live action in a way. Bradshaw, though, doesn't want to focus solely on the animation quality, saying that many people underestimate the quality of animated movies as storytelling vehicles. Andrew Young, a Weinberg senior, also emphasized that this is a movie for all ages. Bring, bring the family. Bring your college friends, your high school friends, your lover. Perhaps the biggest reason this movie is beloved across all demographics is that it grapples with themes of mortality and enjoying life. Death is represented by a wolf. who is after Puss in Boots because Puss has wasted his previous eight lives with no regard for what they mean. It's a lot about the value we place on living and life and the anxiety of facing death. One of the kids, like, like, the main villain is literally death, which is kind of, it's really cool to see how they put that on the screen, but also... Um, Puss has this anxiety about death that's portrayed, like, immaculately. Like, he, he has, like, a panic attack. Aside from the themes of mortality and living life to the fullest, there's plenty of other themes to take away from the movie. A big one is friendship, with Puss teaming up with former rival Kitty Softpaws, as well as a new character named Perito, in order to find a wishing star that will give Puss his lives back. While there is a lot of fairy tale influence, the movie goes beyond the basics. Barnes thought the movie handled its characters of Goldilocks and the Three Bears very well, saying that the film delves into what might have happened after the fairy tale as we know it ended. There's also a Jiminy Cricket-like character that some interviewees said stole the show, but once again, the characters do not merely fit into their fairy tale archetypes. Barnes said the character development struck her as earned, and said she appreciated the movie took a show-don't-tell approach with regards to its characters' motivations. Kelly called the movie a masterpiece, and that seeing the animation in a theater really brings the story to life. Those I interviewed gave the movie high praise. Barnes said the movie is already in her top five DreamWorks movies ever, and many others expressed a similar sentiment. I'm putting this on the Kung Fu Panda tier for me. Mm, I put it, it's, I think it's my favorite. I derived just as much enjoyment from that film as I did any of the Kung Fu Pandas, and that's a high bar. So, it seems that there is no better way to spend a cold winter's day than curled up inside watching The Legend of Puss in Boots continue. For me personally, this is easily one of the three best movies I've seen recently, with the humor and emotion pushing it up a notch. The animation is some of the best I've ever seen, with the fight scenes alone worthy of award consideration. 
I give it 1.8 out of 2 boots, and I would highly recommend seeing it if you can. Just remember. The legend will never die. For WNUR News, I'm Brendan Preisman. This fall, America voted Willie the Wildcat to be the best and sexiest college mascot. But what does that mean to students here? And what do mascots generally mean to students across the country? Mary Randolph has the story. Northwestern is world-renowned for its stellar academics, beautiful campus, and, maybe most importantly, our position as America's best and sexiest mascot. This title comes from a 2022 survey of over 1,200 Americans by Quality Logo Products blog. Everything's more fun when there's a mascot. That was Nick Heisler, freshman at Quinnipiac University in Connecticut, where Boomer the Bobcat calls home. Heisler said that although Boomer might not be as popular as mascots like Willie at bigger schools, he's a great presence to have on campus. The way he, like, walks, I don't know, he just seems so, like, like you, you want you want to like take his picture with him or like he walks by and he puts his hand up for a high five like he's very approachable I guess that's the word not intimidating approachable when it comes to Willie Weinberg freshman Jack Zoller said he deserves that top spot of America's mascot Willie Wildcat is a great mascot he's really engaging with the fans um, his outfit is fantastic. <laughs> He's, he's a really good sense of style, to be honest. Before Willie, Northwestern had Furpaw as its mascot, a bear cub from the Lincoln Park Zoo. And before that, the Fighting Methodists, an homage to the school's founders. Willie the Wildcat was born in 1924 after a Chicago Tribune article described the Northwestern football team as, quote-unquote, fighting like wildcats. Willie officially became the mascot in 1933, according to Northwestern Magazine. Weinberg freshman Caroline Brody said Willie adds to the Northwestern spirit when our teams succeed and when they don't. He's become kind of a campus celebrity. Um, sports culture, which I think is on the up and up here at Northwestern with our men's basketball team doing so well this year. So that's uh, one definitely one pro to Willie. The Quality Logo Product Survey voted that Willie has quote-unquote the most game earning him the top spot for America's sexiest mascot. He was followed by the United States Military Academy's Army Mule and Vanderbilt University's Mr. Commodore. Vanderbilt University freshman Eli Weisbird is passionate about defending Mr. C's honor. Instead of a feral cat, we've got this really well put together Army Man. He's a gentleman, he's got good manners. He wears a coat, even to sporting events, so he's very, very professional, but in a very classy vintage way. And I think that's really respectable in someone, and I think respect is very sexy. And also, he's Jack. Weisbird said that generally, mascots are a good way to build school spirit and community. It's a way to personify a school and animate it. The mascots are made to embody the culture of the school. It's something that everyone can connect to um, by being a 
an animated version of the school and, and something that people can kind of turn to as a guide for how to involve themselves and uh, immerse themselves in the school's culture. However, Cornell University freshman Sonia Guenka said Cornell's mascot, Touchdown the Bear, has not been a large part of her college experience. There, I really don't know much about Touchdown. He's pretty irrelevant to my life. There is a small, and when I say small, Instagram account that documents the guy who goes around in the bear costume and he takes pictures with people every now and then. This was definitely more prominent, though, at the beginning of the year. I've not seen him for months online. And other than that, like, I, I really don't have much of his presence in my life. Goenka also said the concepts of mascots having sex appeal didn't make much sense to her but could have a positive impact on other campuses. Mascots having sex appeal probably are more unifying because people like the look of the mascot, but Touchdown does not fit that category. He's a big hairy bear. McCormick Jr. Elias Rivera Vasquez says Willie is fully deserving of his sexiest mascot title. What kind of what sells him as the sexiest mascot in America is like... One, his height, and two, like, his physique. I think most other mascots across the nation are kind of, like, bulkier. Not to be, like, you know, bulk-shaming other mascots or anything, but, like, I think what does it for Willie the Wildcat is, you know, he's a nice, tall, slim individual. Willie may not have helped Northwestern's football team win this fall, but it seems as though he has still captured our campuses and America's hearts. From Willie to Boomer the Bobcat to Mr. Commodore and Touchdown the Bear, Mascots fulfill all sorts of roles in the culture, spirit, and character of universities across the country. For WNUR News, I'm Mary Randolph. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.19 p.m. Central Time. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for another NU Sports Report. Here's Jonah Turner with the top stories from Northwestern Athletics. Hi, I'm Jonah Turner, and it's time for your NU Sports Report of the Week. The men's basketball team ended a three-game winning streak with an 86-70 loss to Iowa in Iowa City last night. Boo Booey finished with 20 points and Adige added another 15, but the team's performance was unable to overcome an Iowa team shooting 55% from the field and 50% from behind the arc. Nick Marnelli continued to impress as he came off the bench in the absence of the injured Julian Roper, going 3-for-3 three three with 9 points last night. Northwestern is currently in a busy period of the season with last night's game, a makeup from January 18th that was missed due to COVID, adding to an already congested Big Ten schedule. To- last night was the second game of six occurring in a two-week stretch. The men's team is back in action Thursday night at Welsh Ryan Arena at 6 p.m. against Michigan. The women's basketball team had a great week, snapping an eight-game losing streak against Chicago State last Wednesday with an 87-64 win and picking up their first win in Big Ten play with a 70-67 win against Wisconsin on Sunday. Forward Paige Mott led the team with 23 points and 9 rebounds as Northwestern overcame a slow start with strong third and fourth quarters, taking the lead with just under two minutes and refusing to relinquish it. The Cats will hope this good form stays with them as they travel to Penn State tomorrow night to face the Nittany Lions, who are 3-8 in Big Ten play. In wrestling, the number 14-ranked Cats destroyed number 23 Rutgers 28-6 in New Jersey, with Lucas Davison and Yaya Thomas picking up bonus point victories. 
Thomas maintained his undefeated Big Ten record with a 12-4 major decision win as the Cats won 8 of 10 duels and moved to 4-2 in the Big Ten. The Wildcats will have their final home duel of the season on February 5th, hosting number 6 Ohio State at 2 p.m. It will be soon senior day as the Cats hope to maintain their undefeated home duel record. As the days get longer and the worth of spring ever closer, so too do spring sports. Lacrosse opens their season at pre at preseason 5th-ranked Syracuse at 11 a.m. on February 11th. The Cats are ranked second in the Big Ten Coaches preseason poll, trailing only Maryland, and are number four nationally in the IWLCA preseason poll. The Cats are hoping to improve on a 16-5 record in a trip to the NCAA finals, semifinals last season, with Samantha White hoping to continue the momentum of her freshman year, where she was named Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Graduate student Izzy Skane will hope to make an impression early in the season as she returns after missing the entirety of the 2022 season due to injury. Number 5-ranked Northwestern fencing cruised to a 6-0 record at the DeSicchio Duels in South Bend, Indiana, crushing all six opponents with the narrowest margin, a 22-5 victory over Cleveland State. This weekend brings exciting competition to campus as Ryan Fieldhouse will host the Northwestern Duels. Northwestern will face top competition both Saturday and Sunday, with number 1 Notre Dame at 11.35 a.m. Saturday and number 6 Ohio State at 11.30 a.m. Sunday, highlighting the action. Northwestern will also face ranked Temple and Stanford amidst a number of other opponents. Admission is free, and the senior class will be honored with a special ceremony at 12.50 p.m. Sunday ahead of the final duel against Incarnate Word. A quick shout-out to men's tennis for defeating Arkansas at the ITA kickoff, and to women's swimming for defeating Purdue, Minnesota, and Iowa this weekend as they cruise to victory in all three matchups. Good luck to both men's and women's swimming as they prepare for the Big Ten Championship meet in mid-February. That's it for any sports report this week. There's a lot of action coming up in the next few days, and you won't want to miss any of it. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the podcast live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Jonah Turner, WNUR News. A look at the weather for tonight. After two single-digit days, it's a warm 23 right now in Evanston. It'll dip down to a chilly 18 tonight before reaching a high of 29 tomorrow. Taking a look at the headlines, coming off a 16-point loss against Iowa, Northwestern men, Northwestern's men's basketball looks to bounce back against Michigan tomorrow at Welsh Ryan Arena. Chicago mayoral candidates squared off last night in a debate ahead of the February 28th election. Protesters against Cook County Commissioner and candidate Brandon Johnson interrupted the debate multiple times. Daytime television show Dr. Phil is coming to an end after more than two decades on air. The host and former psychologist Dr. Phil did not yet say what he plans to do next, but the 72-year-old did make it clear that he is not retiring. Authorities in Australia found a missing radioactive capsule along the side of the Great Northern Highway in the state of Western Australia. The capsule, which contains cesium-137, was lost while being transported to Perth six days ago. That's all for WNUR News at 6. For more news, updates, and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.News. That's WNUR.News. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Amelia Donhauser. Our reporters are Ellie Stevens, Brendan Priceman, and Mary Rudolph. From all of us here at WNUR News, thank you for listening. I'm Daniel Gross. Catch our next newscast on Friday, February 3rd at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.